So I wanted to talk to you about uh, the family of God. Because Jesus came to build a church, <laughs> but he really came to build a family because the family is supposed to look like a church. The church is supposed to look like a family. It's the same thing. And, and so when Jesus came upon the scene, he actually said something that nobody had ever heard before. He, he began to talk about his, they began to talk about Yahweh and about God as father. And so he introduced the system of a family into the earth. And he said, I am the son. He is the father. I mean, before he was the word or he was the Lord, but it was never the father and the son. And the only time, the first time that the son is even spoken about is in Psalm 2, um, where I'm jumping ahead, but that's okay. David wrote about him in verse 7. I will decree the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And in verse 12, he said, kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. And so he paints the picture, David paints a picture of a very intimate relationship, kiss the son. So we were created with the idea that we would have an intimate relationship within a family. So much so that the Lord, the Lord God, we are supposed, the Son, we're actually supposed to be kissing him. There's no more, there's, you can't get any more intimate than that. I mean, it's like, he didn't say, have a conversation with the Son. Uh, even though, you know, I think that's what he meant. But he's talking about this in terms that is so incredibly close, so incredibly loving, that it's almost offensive to us that, that, that David, the first time that the son is ever mentioned is by the one that, it, that, that, that uh, the Bible says is the one who's after God's heart. He understood what it was to be a son. And Jesus came and he said, listen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So I've actually come here to show you what dad looks like. I've show, I'm going to show you what a father looks like. He's not this far away God, but he's actually, a, we're, we're all supposed to be part of a family. And then Jesus himself, when he came, he said, listen, let me tell you about what the kingdom now looks like. The kingdom is a family. The church is a family. Don't you know that we really don't know how to do family very well? Because there's so many dynamics in a family, and all of us have come from these dysfunctional families where we don't understand what love is. We don't understand what faithfulness is. We don't understand what it is to go the long haul with people and all of their issues. Because the minute that things get messy, what do we want to do? I'm out of here. I'm going to find another family. I'm going to go family jump. Because that's really what we're doing when we go, uh-oh, I didn't get all my needs met, or I didn't get, I didn't get my way, so I'm going to peace out on this deal, and I'm going to go someplace else. But, you know, just like I said before, you will recreate that very same situation in the next church or the next family that you're in. So, Jesus once used his own family as a picture of his relationship with his followers. 
while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, and this is in Matthew 12, while Jesus is still talking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside wanting to speak to him. And someone told him, hey, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. And he replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he began to point to his disciples and he said, here is my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And so he said, listen, you may have a physical connection with your core family unit, but he said, this right here is a family. And this is something that the Lord told me that he's doing in this generation and the generation before his return is that he is reconnecting his body, not as just a bunch of living stones, but these living stones are brothers and sisters and family members. And I will live forever with you in eternity. You and I are going to be hanging, like I said on Thursday night, I'm going to be knocking on your mansion going, hey, can I borrow some salt? I'm out of salt. I need some salt. And so we're going to be together. And so it's like the Lord is helping us to learn how to live together now. And so we can, because we're going to be doing this forever in the New Jerusalem. Doesn't this sound like fun? We're going to be playing Frisbee forever. In a lot of the parables, Jesus speaks in terms of family. His language is this. His language is familial. Have you noticed that? In the parables, like half of the parables, he's talking about a father and a son. Or he's talking about a father. Or he's talking about a, a father that had a son that worked for him. So he's talking about family. He continues to reinforce the fact that we're family. Turn in your Bibles to Romans 8. And, and Paul takes this theme and, and he enhances it. And he talks about the sonship. And he talks about how we are to function in the body of Christ as a family. And he says this in verse 14, chapter 8, verse 14. For as many that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And so the spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit will begin to cry out. There's actually a crying out because there's a longing in our hearts and we are created to be family. So there's a longing that understands that that's the only true place where we will and are supposed to be established and we're supposed to live is in the place of family. That's why anything that's opposite of that feels wrong. And so the, our spirit man is crying out, Abba, 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 Father, Father, Father. We know that you love us. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that that's who we are. We are children of God, and if children, then heirs and um, heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified with Him. So Paul is talking about this new way that we live, and that anything opposite of this familial, unfamily understanding of, of of our relationship with the Father through the sacrifice of the Son. Anything else is not the truth. But we truly are children of God. And our Father in heaven provides three ways for his kids to grow and prosper. Number one, 
a connection in intimacy of the heart. That's the first way that, a, that the Father in heaven established for us to get connected to him. The second is the provision and the promises of his hands. And the third is the direction and the discipline of his words. See, the thing about love, because he, he, he said, okay, I'm going to connect with you, and I'm going to tell you that my ways are higher than your ways, but my ways are the ways of love. Love is always going to establish you. Love is always going to lead you. Love is always going to care for you. But see, the thing about love is that love is, is a coin that has two sides. And as a family and as a generation, what's happened is we have this idea of love and that idea of love is that it's always going to be grace, safety, freedom, and it's always going to be on that side of the coin. And we don't understand that there's actually the, the beauty of truth, boundaries, discipline, and that's the other side of the coin. Because if you don't discipline your children, the word says that you don't love them, but you hate them. And so the, you, when you get both sides of the coin, it actually helps to keep us out of the ditches. And a good father knows that he has to do both. Malachi said that before Jesus came, that God would turn the hearts of the father to the children and the hearts of the children to their father. And then Jesus said that that happened in his generation through John the Baptist, that John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. But then he said this. He said, when I come again, that situation and there's going to be a generation that comes in that same spirit of Elijah to return the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, which basically means that there's going to be a fatherless generation on the earth prior to the return of Jesus. And there's going to be, there's going to be an apostolic or a fathering movement that's going to begin to happen that's going to cause these kids to come alive, but it's going to require these kids to understand how to function with a father, with a true father, with a faithful father, because what happens with kids that don't understand how to function with a faithful father is they run. They're runners. And so they never really establish a root system, so they never really, they can never really grow because you will only grow as far down as your root system is planted. And that planting happens in the garden of a family. Earthly fathers are commanded to provide covering for his kids to grow and prosper. Number one, 
They are through grace to provide safety, provision, and love. That's what the word says. A good father will make his family safe. And he'll give them the freedom to grow. He'll give them enough freedom to grow, and he'll watch them as they grow to see if they're ready for more freedom. But if he sees that they're not ready, he'll actually either should pull back a little because he'll see that that freedom's actually going to hurt them instead of help them. And that's what a good father does. It's not because he doesn't love you. It's because he does. And also, a good father provides for his family and makes sure that all of their needs physically are met, emotionally are met. And so he provides them with the love that they need to grow. The second way is through truth. And so he creates a system of boundaries that says you can go this far and no farther. You know, they did a study and they found that children who don't, who weren't given rules, like parents didn't draw like a line around them and say, this is what you can do and this is what you can't do. Those children actually felt less safe and less loved because they didn't get those boundaries. The Lord also tells us through his word that we are to train our children. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you this for a reason, okay? I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Training your child means you bend their will. How many parents in here have had to have that encounter with your kids? You have to bend their will, and you do it a lot of times through the rod or through discipline so that they'll be okay. And they understand that the will, because what we want to do is we want our kids to soar, and we want them to be in the will of the Lord. And if they're not accustomed to having their will bent, when it comes to being obedient, as Jesus was obedient to his father, they won't be able to do it. They will be completely out of control, and they will run. And it also says that a son, that we are to give instructions to our sons and daughters um, so that they can grow in wisdom. And again, a lot of this is to help our kids from hurting themselves. So the Bible tells us uh, children to honor their parents and their parents, but here's the part you never hear about, parents not to frustrate their kids. I've seen a lot of parents who will frustrate their children to the point that their children's really trying to honor their parents, but it's becoming increasingly difficult because the, because the, the, the um, environment is not equitable. So it leaves the child not knowing or um, it, the child can't please the parent. It's, it's become an a, a, a impossible situation. Um, you know, and I want to talk to you now about kind of spiritual fathers. So we talked about the natural fathers, but I want to talk about spiritual fathers because John and I have had the privilege not just of... Uh, you know, we've lived a long life, so we've seen, and we have a blended family, so we've seen the dynamics of seven kids, 
And we've seen the children in the natural that have submitted to our leadership, and we've seen the result of that. And we've seen our kids that rebelled against our leadership, and we've seen the result of that. And each one of them went down a different trajectory. One just drove right into a ditch through rebellion, you know, and that continued and continued and continued. And the others actually began to slipstream. You know what slipstreaming is? When you get behind somebody on a bike and they take all the wind and you begin to benefit and it's easier for you. And so you're benefiting from from what this person has labored for. So those, the ones that got in behind us and began to slipstream with us, they've actually gone beyond where John and I are. So they're the ones standing on our shoulders, and the others are having to learn everything the hard way. And it's a painful experience. And so we get to watch that, but it's the same for spiritual parents. Now, I want to tell you this story because Paul very clearly said, now listen, I want to talk to you guys in the Corinthian church. He said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So I've come here to show you how to live in the spirit so that you guys are going to go farther than I've gone. And, and you don't have to pay the price and labor like I've labored. And that's why mothers and fathers in the church, if you see mothers and fathers in the church, if you are if you are 35 and under, you need to seek out people who can be mentors to you, spiritual mentors to you, and you need to evaluate their members their mentorship on this. Because a lot I see a lot of people chasing after people with the gifts. They run after the gift. I want the people with the gifts to mentor me. Forget about the fact that that guy or that girl with the gifts is actually having an affair. They, they, or they've been stolen from the church. Or they have all of these. Do not seek after someone to mentor you with gifts. The word says that the leaders are trees. We're trees. And, and, and we get rooted and we begin to produce fruit. You have to look for a mentor that has fruit in their life. That means the Galatians 5, fruit of the Spirit, and that's the way they live because you are going to slipstream and they're going to be your covering and whatever they are carrying, you are going to benefit from or it's actually going to hurt you or harm you. Does that make sense? So, so look for somebody with a lot of fruit in their lives and say, you know what? These people have a life that I would love to, I'd like to have a life like they have. I'd like to have a family like they have. I'd like to have a marriage like they have. I'd like to have, you know, something. They're prospering. There's always peace no matter what happens in their life. So find those people. All right. One of the things spiritually, when I was first saved, um, I like many, didn't come from, you know, I mean, I was, it's a miracle I'm alive, okay? I was wild. I mean, wild. It's, it's seriously, the way I lived my life, it's a miracle I'm alive. So then I get saved, and um, just a complete disaster, but I was, but I had all these spiritual gifts, you know? So I'm like, oh, having all these encounters with the Holy Spirit, and uh, 
I remember being at the church, um, at Sojourn Church. Terry Moore is one of uh, my spiritual fathers, and uh, he was just so faithful as a father to me. And as a daughter, um, there were many times that I didn't get put in leadership, and I didn't really, a lot of what I was doing and how I was serving didn't get recognized. And I was never, I served at his church for nine years, and I was never promoted into leadership. And so I remember one time something happened where I had this whole group of young people, and they were just on fire, and we were all on fire. And and so all of these young people were also in his um, um, youth group. And so I was really serving the youth pastor at that time, just, you know, by really ministering to these kids and helping these kids and serving these kids. And so I would take these kids everywhere. I spent, I don't know, honey, we counted it out like $6,000 on pizza. Not kidding you. Um, and so we fed these kids. We helped these kids anyway. So I remember one day he, he was, uh, the youth pastor was giving out an award and he gave flowers to a girl who'd been there serving for two weeks. And I remember my heart, I just, that hit me so hard. And I remember just immediately I started crying and I went running out of the church and I thought, I'm never going back there again. I'm never going back there again. They did not recognize my contributions. Have mm-hmm. you been there? <laughs> and the Lord said to me, where do you think you're going? You need to turn around and go back in there. So, of course, I did. I mean, my face was blood red, swollen, and really hurt deep. And then there were a couple of times in that same church that I got disciplined because of my immaturity. <laughs> Have that conversation. Immaturity. I was like, what are you talking about? I'm the one that's prophesying. I'm the one that's, and I could give you a whole long list. I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried. And the Lord just said, nope, you're not going anywhere. Okay. And then finally the Lord began to talk to me about the house of prayer. And he said, I want you to start this house of prayer. And so I went to Pastor Terry and I, I submitted it to him. And I said, this is what I feel like the Lord is saying um, you know, John and I are in agreement. We want to do this. And, and I said, would you pray about this? I'm submitting this to you. Would you pray about this? So he did. And he came back to me a week later. And do you know what he said to me? He said, Tracy, I feel like you're right. And I feel like it is what the Holy Spirit is saying. However, it's not time. I think you're supposed to do it in one year. And I said, okay. (laughs) Now, that's not what I heard. I heard something different. But by this time, I knew that this man loved me. And I knew of his faithfulness. And he's a teacher, not a prophet. So it's not like he's going around saying, thus saith the Lord. But I trusted the Lord, and I said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. 
And so I came up under his leadership over and over and over when it was hard. And today, he and I have a wonderful father-daughter relationship. And Sojourn Church helped to financially sow this ministry in. And he gave to us monthly until we could get up on our feet. And now, every single time some bigwig comes into town, he's like, hey, do y'all want so-and-so? We're going to go ahead and pay for them to fly in. We're going to pay for their hotel. We're going to pay everything. All you guys, you could host them on a night if you want them. And see, that's the thing. So what am I doing now? I'm slipstreaming. So I don't have to labor for the things that he has had to labor for. I'm benefiting from getting up under his leadership and coming up under his authority. And in this house, I still don't get to be the boss. I have, we have a board of elders. We have a board of elders. And if that whatever they say goes, and I submit myself to them, even if I don't agree, because that's my safe place. And I know that I can't come out from under the fathers and the mothers of this house that God has ordained to be over me. See, God has an order, and he's so faithful to put everything in place so his kids will be okay. So when the Lord says no to you, I'm speaking to everybody 35 and under, through a father or a mother, it's not no, it's just not now. And, 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 and if God is doing that because you are not ready for the things that God has ordained for you, and he's protecting us from hurting ourselves. Does that make sense? All right. Um, I'll give you one more story. Is that okay? All right, one more story. Authority and, and, and tucking under a father or a mother is not just in the natural. It's not just in the spirit. But it's also when you travel on missions. So I have a, a, a young girl that is um, uh, part of this house, and then she took me to Honduras, where in Honduras, that's her mission field. That's her place. She's been laboring there in that place for five years. And so when I traveled with her, she wanted to, me to host a crusade there and blah, 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 and you guys have heard the stories. But when I went there... She asked me, Tracy, what do you want to do? And I said, no, 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 no. I'm under your authority in this place. And so you tell me what you want me to do. And so I submitted myself to her authority because she was given authority by God in that place. Even though I was her pastor, I tucked up under her. And because of that, we had a huge crusade. I mean, we had so many salvations and healings and fire. And I mean, the thing was just incredible. So again, if you know um, authority, you got to run to it. If you understand spiritual authority, you got to get up under it. So when someone speaks, like when one of the elders at this church says, Tracy, here's what I think. I'll go, wait, stop. I know they have more um, authority to speak to these things. Um, there's a couple of books I want to recommend for you, which have been so helpful to me in growing in these things. Number one is called Honor's Reward. Both of these are by John Bevere. He's 
just excellent books. Honor's Reward, how to, atta- how to Attach God's Favor and Blessings to Your Life. So if you want to have favor and blessings in your life, you have to understand what it is to honor those that are over you. Number two, the second book is called Undercover, and it's in, um, it is Safety in God's Chosen Authority. And so how to tuck up under fathers and mothers so that you don't run. And when you run, you got to start all over. But if you'll stay slipstreamed in to the place that God has called you to be, I'm telling you, you will truly put down root systems and really begin to grow. All right. So with all of that, I'm just thankful for good fathers. And I'm thankful for spiritual fathers. I'm thankful that, that God has put faithful fathers over this house to um, steward everything that he's doing. So let me pray. Well, Lord, I just thank you. I thank you, God, that you're a good dad to us. And that not only did you set in your word all of the things that you wanted to teach us, Father, but you sent us your Holy Spirit to show us how to live well. And Father, would you help us to stay um, grafted into fathers and mothers? God, would you cut out those rebel, rebellious hearts that want to run and, and, and have life our own way? God, would you help us to understand the ways of the kingdom, which are the ways of a family? Father, I pray for everyone here if they've had a bad family experience, God, would you help them to grow in the things of the spiritual family so that they truly can be ministered to in their hearts? And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.